true gamers play while they talk about playing. Oh. Welcome. Hello. Good evening. Welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. In this, your slightly rejigged intro. Uh, my name is Rick. I'm joined by Paula. Hello. AKA Mother Hen, hatching eggs while we record. Um, and Alex. <laughs> Hello. Um, who was just laughing at me saying it's like minus two degrees in the UK and it's cold. I mean, look, cold's so, relative. So, you know, I get it. Like some people, it's cold for you. And that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but also what are you complaining about, eh? <laughs> for real though, I'm like, but also it's fine. You're fine. <laughs> you and what's going to warm me up is all the completions we've got to talk about. Followed, as always, by retirements, currently playing a topic. This week, games as a mystery to non-gamers. Let's discuss later. Um, before we finish off with an episode of How Long, how to, long, be to, be how long to Be The Game. The game. Oh, you went faster than I expected. <laughs> well, I hope Mike didn't pick that up. That wasn't pleasant. Um, let's talk Rusty Lake because mm-hmm. you guys have both been in that universe and I'm here for it. Yeah, you, you talked well. about this for a while. Do you want to go first, Paola? I think you're playing actually the sequel stuff to what I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yes. I'm not really sure, but anyway, I've been playing uh, the Rusty Lake games that uh, Rick gave me for Christmas. Thank you, Rick. You're um, very welcome. Oh my god, this is such a weird universe. Okay. Like, okay, so I'm going to start with talking a little bit about the games, and then like we have to jump into the logic of some of these puzzles, because holy moly, they're out there. Mm-hmm. So first of all, Rusty Lake Hotel, the first one I played. And also, I have to say the one that entertained me the most so far. Um, In this game, you are working in a hotel and you have to secure the ingredients for each night's uh, dinner, not for each place, but anyway. And the... The um, the ingredients are actually the people that go to, to stay at the hotel. Hmm. And you have to enter one room each night and find a way to um, unleave them. And then you have to get the ingredients and go to the, uh, um, to the chair at the hotel and give them the ingredients. And... That's more or less the gist of the story. And the, the thing is that some of the, the puzzles on the game are very ingenious. Like, I wouldn't have even thought about them. Um, sometimes you get really surprising stuff when you open a closed or locked door or cabinet, such as a bird that helps you with uh, pulling the lever and electrocuting another character. Ah, uh, the good old. That one was particularly weird to me. Um, anyway, the the game is strangely fun, and I think I played one of the Rusty Lake games before. That was Samsara Room, and the logic like on that game and this game are like quite similar, but in this case, it is especially fucked up. Then we have Rusty Lake Roots, where you, um, where you are like moving to a house, and then your family pretty much gives on misery, uh, and there's like disaster after disaster happening to your family, and 
this one was a little bit more out there because there was a point where I'm going to say the character you were kind of controlling at some point tries alchemy and something goes wrong and dies. And then you have to uh, gather all the sacrifices to live again. Mm -hmm. So, and finally, Rest Lake Paradise. This one, I didn't understand what liquid because yeah. I know you are going to this island that they call Paradise. And then you have to, you kind of like go through all the plagues they've been going through. And then there's some weird owl, owl statue, owl, holy crap, I can't even speak today. Owl statue. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do some very convoluted uh, steps. And I actually had to go for a guide on this one because this one was especially out there on, on their logic on how the things work. My personal favorite is where you have to feed a fly to a dead fish in order to get a key from it. Um, I think that one is in Cubescape. That, yeah. That's Paradise. Yeah. Oh, it's a Paradise as well. Okay. It's in Cubescape too. There's one where you have to do the same thing. Or is it that you keep. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's in there. I mean, the, the logic is mental, but it's internally consistent. Like, they're all escape room games. They all have, I suppose, in the gameplay, very similar cadences. Um, in theory, there is an overarching narrative combining the three Rusty Lake games and all of the Cubescape games and some of the offshoot ones like Samsara Room and the White Door. Like, in theory, it's all tied together. I'd love someone to tell me how, um, but in theory, it's all the same universe. Um, the Cube Escape ones are yeah, pretty I clearly guess. connected. Like, it, it's actually, I've been following a version of the story for myself. You know, it's like, you know, when you play Immortality, right? Where it's like, it felt like one of those where I'm like, oh, like, I'll talk more about it in a bit, but it feels very clear that there is like a connecting story through the Cube Escape ones, at least. But I haven't touched mm. the Rusty Lake ones yet. Yeah, at the very least, like the Rusty Lake games, the trilogy, mm. um, have uh, the six animals. Is it five or six animals? Five animals con connecting them, like somehow. So it's kind of like, and if you see like the the newspaper, like one game, they tell you like, oh, something happened at the Rusty Lake Hotel. So, and it is. You can see the Rusty Lake Hotel like through the windows, so you can see it like it is like on the same locale, more or less. Mm. And almost like Rusty Lake Paradise is where the Rusty Lake Hotel was. Maybe. Methinks, or like maybe an isle, an island on like the same lake. Maybe I mean the, like, the problem it, is I like played these games so far apart and so long ago. I didn't really give myself a good chance, and I am trying to piece a lot of it back together. It's like um, Twin Peaks, yes, though, saves them. right? Like yes, it's very Lynchian. In in the, it almost feels like the Red Room is the universe, and there's yeah. a lot of like random stuff going on inside it. Yeah, um, yeah. And like you can try to piece together a narrative, but like that's part of the point, right? It's like you're trying yeah. to piece together a narrative, but um, you know, it's never going like what the actual narrative is, or whatever that could be will never be as satisfying as your attempts to discover the narrative. You know what I mean? Which is the fun part with Twin Peaks. They killed it by, like, revealing who the killer was. Yeah. I wonder... I, kinda, I always wonder why they did that. Anyway, whatever. 
Ratings is the answer. I remember reading an interview with someone, they were like, we had to try and bump the ratings up to justify us staying around for a third season. They never managed it. And then they did the third season, what, like 25 years later? It was, I want to say like 2017, 2018, they did a season three. Yeah. And, I, um, I, from what I hear, yeah. it's good. Like, I, I heard I, people enjoyed it. The one person I know who watched it was like, I loved it right up until the end. And then I realized that they'd left more questions than they'd actually answered. Mm. Um, and they just kind of got fed up with it. But I don't know, man. It's uh, I watched the first couple of seasons like way later and enjoyed them for what they were. And I think that's where it is. Twin Peaks diversion aside, sorry, yes. Twin Peaks diversion aside, I'm um, enjoying a lot of these games, even though they can be a little fucked up here and there. Yeah. Um, I have to say my favorite uh, puzzle or section of the game so far of any of the games of the trilogy is the we have Ford on the Rusty Lake Roots game. Like um, the the board with the triangle. I don't I'm know really I sorry, I don't remember it. it. It's a good seven or eight years since I played the game. Something Damn. silly like that. Yeah. Probably find out actually if I check on Steam. Yeah. Um, that- but that was like a moment of realization where it was like, hey, I'm actually communicating with the game with this we help board. And it was like so cool. <laughs> and I don't know, like it felt like almost breaking the third wall in a in a way, but also like, okay, this totally makes sense. I am the ghost that is communicating with this person right now. Mm. Uh Oh no! Yeah. It is ringing a bell actually. Now that you say that, that is that is yeah. There's a lot of dealing with the past and like yes. things coming up over and it, you'll kind of change the path like that kind of stuff, like the reverse tape thing. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, of that. that is absolutely an overarching theme for sure. Yeah, like you know the the whole Pink um, Floyd. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Oh, last played 2017. So, yeah, five and a bit years since I played Roots. Oof. Yeah, that's five years ago. Jeez. It's been a while since. It, it's been a minute, for sure. Yeah. It, it was good. And I. God, you guys tempted me to play them again. I don't have the time. Um, do you want to play The games talk are about... You can do it. No, I know, but I've got so many short games I want to play, and that's. Eh. Um, do you want to talk about the Cubescape games that you played Alex and then we'll bounce back to your other completion power yeah so I mean I put them all kind of like under one thing because I've technically been playing the collection um, because I have I had a bunch of Google Play money like I was given a gift card and I was like well this is kind of a good thing to buy with it and the collection is free but like you can pay to unlock the hints and stuff and I more or less just wanted to give them money because I was like well these are good. So like it's four bucks. So here, just take my $4. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's already mm-hmm. cheap for nine games. Like it's cool. Yeah. Um, and they're full fledged point and clicks within them. Obviously they're, they're short. They're like the longest is probably about an hour. Um, oh, there's some that are a bit longer. The theater one's pretty long, but, uh, depends how long you get stuck on. I've definitely used guides for some of them. Cause I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like there'll be like a little thing. And I'm like, I'm not clicking on fucking everything. Just show me, like, give me the hint that I need. I'm like, there we go. You got it. You know? And they welcome that. Like they have a guide, like a, a playthrough for everyone on their own website. Exactly. So you don't have to go far to find it. Yeah. They're not being like, you got to figure it out. It's just like, no, it's fine, dude. Here you go. It's confusing enough as it is. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, I've really enjoyed them. Seasons like like to start, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, <laughs> you know, when you're starting, like, it's it's a good kind of like, "What is going on?" Intro. Um, that one, I I don't think it's a good game to start with, to be honest, because it's actually a bit like it's a bit more complex than some of the others would become. Um, and I actually think is not a good way place to start, despite it being sort of the start of the story. Um, that being said, uh, I've I've enjoyed all of them. They're all unique. A lot of blonde haired ladies creepy crow dudes owls and harvey the little bird and like all this shit like it's all connecting through and the detective and whatnot and um it's as i'm playing through it it's nice to see that there is a story to this um and i don't know it's sort of it's complex to talk about these without like kind of just spoiling the conceits of them but like to give you an idea like the first one seasons is basically like you're doing there's like four years and you're kind of doing some fun time sort of stuff where like you're in the same room over periods of time seasons uh quote unquote um and then you get to the lake uh which the lake from what i remember playing it i think that's the one where it introduces you to the death of the woman that you've been seeing in that first one and you kind of meet the detective character um and then there's a random one where you're just like maybe with van gogh or something like that one i have to admit or i was like how does this connect into everything <laughs> um and then it almost it, it kind of feels like the first three or four are like a little disjointed and random and then you get to case 23 and it's like now they're starting to connect together um and then from there on out each one has had this like you've kind of been following this detective and they've had like a real through line with this character um that i've really enjoyed so that's when i started to kind of go like oh i want to get through this a little more i will admit i don't think mobile is the ideal way to do it because some of the clicking like some of it is like pretty precise with where you have to press and it can be a little annoying at times um only for some things like there's some clock stuff that you're like fuck's sakes i just want the big hand to move no not the little head (laughs) like ah um or like you have to like input a code or something and you got to click on each number one at a time and then like it's just so slow and sometimes it won't do it. So is it the best way to play it? I don't think so. It's probably much better to play this on PC. But also if this was on PC, I'm not going to play it. Uh, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I kind of mm. have to play it on mobile because like when I'm on the bus, I'm just like, ee, like clicking through and like doing my little thing. Yeah. And the length, the, the, the Cuba skate ones, especially very well suited to mobile. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I've played all of them. I've played Samsara Room as well, which I don't think is in that collection, no. but that one is very much focused on the detective and the lady and it it from memory pulls everything together more specifically than any of the others do so oh, cool. be interesting to hear thoughts when you get around to that one yeah i definitely will my plan is to play through all of them because um like i said i had that google play money and they're all pretty cheap so i'm just like well i'll just mm-hmm. play them all why not like i mean they're not very expensive they're I like the Lynchian vibes to them. Um, I like the surrealist nature of the games. Um, I think there's some really disturbing imagery throughout it that I really dig. Like, you know, I'm, I'm down for that. Let's put it that way. You know, I'm like, yeah, all right. Give me some, give me like a fucked up weird story. Like I'm in, you know, um, even if the logic at times could be a little like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? Um, like the birthday in particular, I have to admit, has some jumps in logic that I'm like, come on, dude. There's no fucking way I was going to know to do this. Like, there's just no fucking way. Like, it's not happening. Um, you, like, it has, like, everyone has to have used a guide for this at this point. Um, 
which that I will admit kind of pisses me off sometimes. I really hate that in some point in clicks where it's like, I think you guys are like, I, I understand you're trying to maintain your world, but like make it a little bit clear what I got to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at least since they have those guides, that makes me a lot less um, upset about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if at least they anticipate it, but there is something annoying about, especially on mobile, having to click out of your game and go like, you know, to a new tab and like find what you're supposed to do. And then, you know what I mean? You're like, all right, don't kick me out of it. Their hint system is pretty good um, in that, you know, you click like the little, you click a little eyeball and it'll like show you things that you can interact with on that particular frame that you're on. Um, not all mm. frames have them though which is why it's good. But if you don't actually, so like usually the problems I have is not like what item do I use where, right? Like that's not usually an issue. Like you can figure that out. I think they're decently clear about that. It's more like, where am I going next? Right. That's kind of what I find uh, can trip me up a little bit more. Um, but overall I do recommend them, especially because they're free. And frankly, like if, you know, I just wanted to give the money. I didn't really need to unlock like the hints technically are behind ads. So like you'd have to watch an ad to get your hints, um, which I think is fair um, if you're going to play it for free. But like you don't ever need those hints, you know, like you can just go through with the guide. The hints sometimes I think give away more than even the guide does. <laughs> so like because the guide can just kind of point you into like, oh, you need to go here next. It's like, oh, OK, great, great, great. Got it, got it, got it. But like sometimes the hints are just like this object goes here, and you're like, oh well, that's not that's not what I needed actually. I oh well now I know the answers, <laughs> you know. And so you're mm. like, thanks, but also I just I just wanted like a general like, hey, you should go check out I don't know the stove right now, and it's like, oh oh right, you know what I mean? Like there are some games that just do their hints so well that they just guide you to like the general vicinity of where you need to be. Um, and this is not a game that does that well. I, I, I think Tangle Tower jumps to mind. That one was, yes. I think that one did exactly what you describe, actually. You just said, this is where you should go next. Yeah. Yeah, the room does that too. Like, yes. It, it never like questions your ability to discover it, but it's like, hey, you haven't checked up, you haven't checked over there yet. Yeah. And that's where I would say this game really, really falters is that its hint system is just. It's shit, honestly. It's not good. It's it's because it, it, it's just it's not hints. It's here's the answer. Not really a hint, right? Um, so anyway, uh, still though, I recommend it. Very fun. Mm. Paula, Paula, you, you have about potion. Oh. Right, I completed potion care alchemy simulator. I think I spent like thirty something hours in this game. And holy crap, it overstayed its welcome a little bit because I thought that <laughs> the last uh, thing that you're going to do is a Philosopher's Stone, but no, it's the Philosopher's Salt. And which I salt. never really understood the purpose for it. Yeah, it's like, hey, you are salty that this game hasn't finished yet, right? Here, have some more salt over there. Um, but... Overall, the gameplay loop is pretty solid. And the fact that they, I think they added after the first phase of the game, the ability to automatically brew potions. Unless I don't, rem because I don't remember that feature being there the first time I played it, like 
a year or two ago in a Steam Next Fest. I don't know when was that, but I don't remember the feature being there. I might have not seen it, but anyway, that feature being there is a godsend because imagine having to brew a health potion over and over again using the same ingredients following the same steps. And I think I brew over, <laughs> it's over 9,000, but really it was over 9,000 potions uh, that I had to brew during my game, my playthrough of the game. And <laughs> those are a lot of potions, believe me. And if it wasn't for that feature, I would have gone crazy or crazier um, a long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. Still, I would recommend people to at least try the game out. Maybe not complete it because there are 10 chapters to this game. And for the last potions, or sorry, for the last... Um, I guess alchemical artifacts that you have to make. You have to brew a lot of very out there potions that don't really serve a purpose like inside the game besides just, hey, this potion looks kind of neat. Um, how about we add it to the um, Philosopher's Stone recipe just because it looks colorful? Like that seemed to be like the... Um, thought process of the devs trying to uh, think, hey, which potions do we need to make this alchemical uh, thing right here? Um, for, some for some of them, it kind of like, they go with a color scheme, like for some potions, like, hey, maybe we could use like all the red potions or like all the red um, effects and make a potion with that. But for the Philosopher's Stone, I think all of the potions have like different, um, not ingredients, but different effects. And five of, five of them. And sometimes there were like opposite effects that if you try to sell them, the person uh, that is buying from you tells you directly, hey, these effects are incompatible. I don't want this shit. Hmm. So... The fact that the potions are really hard to make, they waste a lot of ingredients, and the only use they have in the game for them is to make the Philosopher's Stone is kind of uh, not ideal. Like, I guess if they make you made a difficult potion to make, but maybe you could sell it for a lot of money if um, there happens to be a, a person who wants uh, that effect on their potion, then I would have had like um, more of a incentive to keep going after making the Philosopher's Salt. But since I finished all 10 chapters of the game, I grew like every potion imaginable and I didn't really like want to just brew potions to brew potions. Mm. Um, I was just, hey, I finished the end chapter. I'm done with the game. Sorry, we had a little technical snafu there. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear it, but I assume week. it was bad. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, anyway, rough. that's Fusion Crab. <laughs> Try it. Don't finish it. And what a classic Alex. Uh, that's. Is the Alex seal of approval? 
Yes. Yeah, that's kind of like the Alex Steele approval. Uh, very weird coming from me, but anyway, Rick, what have you finished this week? Uh, I finished quite a few things this week. So um, some interesting ones to come back to. I'll go in the order I've got them written down because that's the order I beat them. Um, first one was Bendy and the Ink Machine. Um, this was an episodic adventure game is the most wishy-washy way to describe it. It's like a first-person point-and-clicky sort of puzzly game with very light combat elements that the game spends way too much of its time focusing on. Um, the concept is really cool. The idea is that you are uh, someone who used to work at a um, uh, an animation studio that had a character called Bendy, who is like a, a, a legally distinct version of Steamboat Willie era Mickey Mouse. <laughs> um, and you left the company. The company went on to these amazing things and then eventually went bankrupt. And you get a letter from your like former co-founder saying, I've got something to show you. I want you to come back. Um, and you go to the factory and not all is as it seems. Uh, very quickly, it sort of shows a lot of its hand. Um, I won't spoil the story because I, I think there is something to it. And it, the game gets a tentative recommendation from me overall. Um, the art style is incredibly strong. It's like um, a two-tone sort of situation with the ink being very, very prominent within that. Um, the actual exploration is pretty cool. Um, the puzzle solving is a bit weak source. The combat is very weak source. It focuses a lot on that combat. And when I say the combat's weak, I mean it's like that really clunky, clumsy form of melee combat where you have an attack button that does a attack. And that's your lot. That's it. That's all you can do. Um, it was released originally episodically, so it's five chapters. Um, we played it in two chunks. So we played like the first two chapters, I want to say, and then the third, fourth, and fifth in two separate sets. I think if you played the game as an episodic thing, I think you'd probably get more out of it. I don't think the other stuff has a chance to outstay its welcome. Um, playing it as a more conventional game, it gets kind of old kind of quick. And the interesting thing from the outside in, um, a game called Bendy in the Dark Revival was recently released. Um, based on what the Steam reviews say, it seems like a, a retread of the first game uh, with much nicer graphics and hopefully better combat if they kept the combat. So I think if it sounds interesting, maybe look at the sequel before you look at this one. Um, we had a good time. It's a fun sort of horror sort of experience. Um, well worth a look, not necessarily well worth a play. Um, fun overall for me. Um, but I think I kind of knew what I was expecting going in. Um, I'd seen videos. I'd seen the combat. I knew it was going to be like a, a horror experience with maybe middling gameplay. Um, have either of you played this one? No, Not but I really, I have heard about it when it was in development all the way back. Like, I don't know when this game was like in alpha or something like that. A little while but back, years old. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, but I know about the game. I'm, I knew more or less like what the game was about, but I haven't played it. Like, it wasn't something up my alley. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. 
I knew of this one because it reminded me of like like it was like around the Cuphead time, um, mm. and it was like sort of like it, I don't know it it, it it seemed like it was of that ilk, um, but also like a scary epic mini I guess epic Mickey not mini. So I don't hmm. know, maybe Minnie's in that game. I have no idea. <laughs> maybe she is epic. Who can say? Who can say? Um, yeah, it seems interesting. I, I know that character though. Like I, whatever they did in terms of their marketing, they did a good job because that character, I like. You said it, and I was immediately like, "Oh yeah, that little thing." I know what that character is. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you front. can buy a. Pretty sure you can buy a plushie of him. He's like everywhere in the game. It's fun. Like you click on the plushie, and it goes, <laughs> like you know, a proper squeak, <laughs> which is a nice little touch. Um, next game I played, um, and I think I spoke about this briefly last week, so I think I'd started playing it, uh, Welcome to Elk. Um, this is a rare example of a game where the ending massively elevated what was otherwise like a fine experience. Interesting. Um, I will not spoil it. I really think this is worth going out and playing um, for the ending, but also because, as I mentioned last time, it's a really unique setting. Um, it's an interesting take on the adventure genre where they've taken the puzzles out, but there are like mini games and activities to do. So it's not a walking simulator per se, although it leans that way more than it does towards like a broken sword monkey Island kind of thing. Um, this was a solid six and a half out of 10 for the majority of its three hour runtime, but the way it pulls all the threads together at the end and the direction that it goes uh, really, really blew me away. And I think I landed on like an eight or a nine ultimately uh really glad i played this one glad i stuck around to the end because the ending was absolutely um justification for everything that came before it um i will say that the game component bit hit and miss um by way of a couple of examples gameplay can include carrying a dead body i.e., pushing forward on the analog stick while crazy stuff happens on screen um it can include um a DDR-style singing minigame. Uh, it can also include um, putting faces on balloons, like identikit eyes and noses and mouths and stuff like that, just to make a couple of humans. Um, it's very out there. It's not straight-laced. It's very wacky. Um, and yet weirdly grounded at the same time. Hmm. Um, it... it it goes in a very different direction with its supernatural um, to the extent that there is any um, because it, it, it makes it feel believable um, in our world, not just consistent within its own um, continuity. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say any more without spoiling this one. It's really good. It often goes on sale. I think it's on PC as well as on Switch. Absolutely go and check it out. Hmm. Um, and then from there... I played four Game Boy games, three of which are the ones I missed from Itchmas, and a fourth that was nominated, didn't win. Having played it, really, it should have been up there because it was better than almost all of the other games that made it through to Itchmas this year. So um, starting with the ones that we all played, or that, that we all played as part of Itchmas, I should say. Um, the year after, did not like this one. <laughs> Thought it was a good idea, stretched way too thin. And I should say, I haven't actually listened back to Alex and, and June's comments on any of these yet. I should have done, really. Uh, um, it's okay. I, I knew you wouldn't like this one. <laughs> yeah, why is that? It's not, for, it's not a game for you. It's, 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 it's not a me game. No, it's, it's, it's heavily narrative, but like, and I know you like narrative games, but I just, 
I just, I, I had a strong feeling. I was like, I don't think this one has, a, like, it's, I don't think it's tight enough for you to have really, like, like glommed onto it. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, I had a strong feeling you wouldn't, you were going to try this. Because there's not a lot of gameplay, there's no real gameplay to it, right? Like, it's, it's kind of walking simmy. And I think saying it, it wasn't tight enough is probably a good way to describe it. It definitely needed an editor to trim the fat down a little bit. There's a lot of empty space in the game. And, and, you know, maybe that's sort of the point. Maybe you're supposed to have time to reflect. I don't think it really works. Should also say the web version of this has actually quite nice music, which I discovered when I went to find the HIO page, having played the soundless Game Boy ROM. So that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, oh, but that's entirely on me. I didn't check. Um, was it soundless on Game Boy? I remember playing it with sound. Maybe I played it. Maybe I didn't play it on the original Game Boy. Huh? I, I played it on a Game Boy emulator. That might be a factor. Um, on a Game Boy Advance might also be a factor. I might have been an idiot and left the volume off. Who knows? But I had no sound when I played it. Is the point? Yeah, um, second one I played, Black Castle. I liked it. It was fine. TM. Um, we had a brief discussion about this on the uh, Discord. Um, I did not abuse save states like June did. Uh, I did, however, um, make a save state at the start of each world um, just for convenience sake. Um, only had to take advantage of it like once. Um, I didn't find the game soul-crushingly hard, really. Is worth saying I was looking out for like the bits on the ceiling and a couple of extra things having heard you both talk about it. So maybe I was forearmed and forewarned. Um, but fun little game. You know, it's, it's not too long, not too demanding. I was going to say, say something. That's how those games worked too, though, which I think is sort of fun. Like, they're like schoolyard games. You know what I mean? You would tell each other how, like, things to look out for and what to do. So I think you just played it in the spirit of those games. <laughs> you had Let's the, go with that. <laughs> You've given me an out and I'm going to take it. <laughs> and uh, the last one I played, and played is a stretch, really, for this one. Um, is Cookie's Bakery. This was uh, my least favourite of the three. I love the aesthetic. The aesthetic was wonderful. And thematically, the idea of a little Christmas story about baking cookies and doing Christmas quizzes was quite nice. Um, just it wasn't a game, though. <laughs> no, there isn't much to it. Um, I'm trying to work a, a proof is in the pudding sort of pun type thing into it, but it's just not quite happening. Um, here <laughs> won't ever think about this one ever again after having had this conversation about it now um what i will think about for a long time after this is a game called mud warriors uh this had big recess vibes so the, oh, the story like the, behind this like the cartoon go on. yeah the cartoon recess I love that cartoon. Uh, we had that in the uk that was nice. that made its way to us um the whole idea behind this game and it's worth saying it's pitched like an action RPG sort of thing. The screenshots might lead you to believe that. This is a very specifically focused narrative adventure game hmm. um, with, you know, a, a, a little world that you can move around and advance the plot by finding the right things and saying the right stuff sort of thing. Um, you are a kid in an after-school club run by a grossly irresponsible adult who, instead of, like, keeping you indoors and giving you activities to do, um, has sent you all out in the mud and the rain um and you're having this weird like school ground fight vietnam mashup yeah. 
Yes. And it's so bizarre. Your kid is sent on a mission to like retrieve the sacred object, which is like a blue coloured um, dodgeball ball. Um, and to do that, you have to like pay the, you have to find quarters around the world, pay the um, after school instructor to put little stars on your card. And basically, whoever's got more stars on their card wins the fight. And so you're in this constant cycle of like finding quarters, paying for a star, winning a fight, getting more quarters, so on and so forth. Uh, at the start of each battle, there's a fun like movie quote, like you can't handle the mud or there will be mud and <laughs> such. For, yeah, like that it. sort of thing. Um, the writing is what elevates this game because it, it it's a stupid concept. It's fun, but stupid. <laughs> the writing makes it very, very intense while not losing any of its humor. Um, probably took me maybe 45 50 minutes to play start to finish with quite a few lost battles um and the, the, the penalty for losing is almost zero um you just get sent to the oracle which is a girl who and this is again recess vibes a girl hanging upside down from a monkey bar in a jungle gym and they've draped towels over it so it's this like weird sun igloo situation and she has a load of clean towels so she like wipes you off and then you get to go and like carry on playing that is so i love that really, it's you'd love it i think you both really enjoy it it's well worth a play um i when i was downloading these game boy games there are a few other ones where i looked through and i was like is there anything else i want to play from the list that didn't make the cut i think this was the only other game boy game that fell into that category so there are a few other ones that i backlogged on itch um but this one i downloaded with the others and, and i think other than maybe we become what we behold um this is probably my favorite of the ones i played in the itchmas period nice. um certainly it's the one that still sticks out in my head from what i've played maybe two rectangles i liked that i know alex didn't but i did um and that is all i played speaking of things that that alex didn't like hmm. um <laughs> you know, retirement that i was considering picking up alex do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah um <sighs> Okay, this one's like a little complicated in terms of why I put this down. Ooh. Actually, I don't know. Tell maybe me not, more. Maybe not super complicated, but we'll talk about it a little bit. So I uh, I picked this up because it was leaving Game Pass, right? And I, I knew I had enough mm. time to finish it before it would leave. I, I picked it up about like a week or so before, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can finish this before then. Uh, it's really fucking repetitive and boring. Um, like, mm. And that sucks because it's from a company that I really like and from a developer I really dig. Um, Dreambox have got great pedigree. Guacamelee. Yeah. Um, people liked that um, thing they did on Vita. Um, Severed, incredible. Yeah, like you say, great pedigree. So, you know, like the feel of the game is excellent because like, okay, how do I describe this game? Basically, the gist of this game is that you're nobody. Like you arrive in this world, you're like this little blank amorphous blob thing who, um, now it is pretty funny. Like the writing's pretty good. And you, uh, you steal this magic wand from this like shitty... Uh, magician's apprentice um, because like they've lost there's like this weird thing that's coming to like take over the world um, and this guy like the big main magician has disappeared and so you steal the wand and you decide to go out and just like try to help out and when you steal that wand it allows you to shape shift into other kind of forms and mm -hmm. all the forms have different attacks and um, you can level up all of the different forms independently 
Um, and you'll have challenges that you have to do to, in order to get like points to level them up. So like it might say like kill this many enemies with with this attack that you have, kill that many, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you can unlock more and more forms as you go along, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's open world, so you can go around. You do like quests for different people. Um, you can find different parts of the world. Um, different forms allow you to interact differently with parts of the world, et cetera. So so far so good, right? Like it's like that's good stuff. Um, it's kind of neat. Playing with the different forms is fun. Uh, but they also made what I think is the most bafflingly fucking moronic design choice I have ever seen in a video game. The entire hook of this fucking game is that you are playing in multiple different forms, right? And you're leveling up those forms. Now, they're big, important dungeons, which are, by the way, still like randomly generated because they change uh, if you die and whatnot on entry. Or like the the requirements that you have to do because most of the dungeons you just come in and it's like you have to go find a key or you have to kill 130 enemies before it'll open the gate to the next area which already you're like okay very original um they fucking lock your ability to progress your forms when you're in the big dungeons so all the dungeons have oh. like shit yeah like you're supposed to you know uh. it's so fucking stupid you're like why would i want to go into any of the big main uh dungeons because i literally just don't make any progress in the game yeah sure i'm like going through the main story but i can't work towards any of my forms so none of the challenges will matter and like a lot of those big places have the more advanced enemies and stuff that you kind of need for your challenges so you're like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? And like, they say it's because of this like miasma or whatever, like they give like a game reason, story reason, but it's so fucking stupid. Like it could have been anything else. Why would you literally handicap your main mechanic in your required dungeons? Like, mm. oh man, I was so fucking pissed off by that. And it really just made me want to quit the game. And like, honestly, eventually the game got really like grindy where it's like there'd be dungeons that like they throw so many enemies at you that I literally just started to run through them because I was like, I don't want to actually fight anyone. Like this takes too much time. I'm not interested in actually engaging with your game. I just want to stop. So I took that as like a really bad sign. And by the time that I got to halfway through the game, I was like, I'm really not having a fun time right now. Like I'm actually, um, I feel like I've seen everything to see here and now I'm just going to have to grind out forms. Um, and you know, go through a bunch of these levels that I fucking hate um, where I'm not allowed to do anything with my character because I guess that's part of the story. Um, so yeah, they, they, it's a really big fucking miss for me, honestly. Like, I think I'd give this game like a six out of 10. Um, it has strong, like the, like the controls obviously in the combat feel good and you could do cool synergies with your characters, but that's all there is to it. It's like, a, you know what I mean? Like it feels like playing a tech demo, you know? Where you're like, this is a really fun, interesting yeah. idea, but you haven't actually justified this idea in any way, and you're actively fighting against your own ideas um, with your like design choices. Yeah, I mean, there must be a balancing thing if they're taking that progression away in the main dungeons. There must be a reason, but I can't. I, I cannot imagine well. what the reason is because it's stupid. Because you can just grind in the overworld. So if there's a balance thing, I don't. There be. No, you know, it's not a balanced thing because they actually lock you out of challenges because what they do is you have to actually progress through the game to get new challenges for your forms to unlock more XP for them. So 
there's no reason to not let you get XP in the dungeons because they've already gated off your progression with the it's fucking it's so fucking it's already it's on so, the quest line right yeah, yeah it's so patronizing like that's what i felt when i was playing the game i was like hey if you're gonna make this open-ended game let me play it open-endedly don't like ham fist my progression throughout it i don't know why mm. i'm really pissed off by this game it really it really just like pissed me off i was like what the fuck is going on here and i think it pissed me off because the underlying mechanics are so strong like they're they're masterful developers, right? Like they have a very strong um, grasp of mechanics and of like the feel of a game. And so you're playing this thing and you're like, yeah, it feels amazing. It's like Guacamelee, right? Guacamelee feels incredible. It's like really, really strong game. So um, it's five hood classic. Exactly, right? But then you play this and you're like, what the fuck did you guys do? You you've like, but you know what? I should have known because one of my biggest complaints with Guacamelee is that it is very paint by numbers in terms of its unlockables where it's like you unlock this and now you break that block, right? Like it's not very creative in that sense. I think Guacamelee 2 levels things up a little bit better, but... um, Marginally. Marginally, yeah, maybe. And to be fair, it has some good ideas, but I think with Guacamelee 2, I think it succeeds maybe in spite of that. Like it's still, Mm. oh, you have the red attack, now you break a red block. Mm. but that doesn't matter because you're still it, it it's the same as any metroidvania but just without maybe um a layer of obfuscation and in-universe explanation it doesn't really make a difference to the story or the mechanics or the gameplay whereas yeah. here it sounds like the paint by numbers actually really undercuts all the good work they've done mechanically and all they're trying to do with the overall setup well, exactly, because the forms are fun and it's nice to get to, you know, mess around with them. And eventually you can like you can use moves from different forms on like different characters and stuff, which is like really cool. You can get like cool synergies that do like crazy cool shit. But then, you know, you enter into a dungeon that's meant to progress the main story. And it's like, oh. Nope. No experience for you, motherfucker. And you're like. What? why am I playing then? <laughs> you know, like, like literally it's like, well then what's the fucking point? What, what mm-hmm. is the actual point then? Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't have an answer for you. Beat this. And it's just like, okay. Cause then the artifice of the game drops. You know what I mean? Where like you suddenly realize you're like, yeah, okay. I'm just playing a game here. I'm just pushing buttons to make a number counter go up. That's all I'm doing. Um, and I need a bit of the artifice, you know what I mean? I need the numbers that tell me I'm doing good. Not the numbers yeah. that say I just killed things. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, huge fucking swing and a miss for me. Um, so I don't recommend buying it. If it was on Game Pass again, I'd say you could maybe uh, maybe play it a little bit, but I really can't recommend buying this one because I don't uh, think it's fun um, for more than maybe about half of the game. Um, and I just can't really justify... like. At, Knowing someone like, oh, buy it on a sale if I really only think you're going to get maybe half of the game's worth out of it, and it's not a long game. Um, well, you've successfully put me off. Yeah. <laughs> Just avoid <laughs> it. Fair. Unless repetitive gameplay um, sounds up your alley. <laughs> it doesn't, and actually that's probably a segue to one of my retirements. So I've, I've got a soft and a hard retire this week. The soft retire is Voice of Cards. I still think it's amazing. I just don't have the ability to commit to it with the other games I've got ongoing. Um, the second game, which is a hard retire, and it's another repetitive one, uh, is Auden Chronicles Rising on Switch. Now, it's by no means a bad game, 
Was that a huge like bullet dodged, Alex? Cause yeah, because the game of the month. A... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just glad it... I feel vindicated. The gameplay is actually okay, but it feels like what content it has is stretched so painfully thin. This is clearly a game that was made on a shoestring budget and on a very compressed time scale. Um, characters don't really animate, which again would in and of itself be fine. Um, after four hours of play, there were only really two main areas I'd explored. Again, in and of itself, not a deal breaker. Um, but after a very promising, if a little bit slow opening couple of hours of the game, um, you get to the point where you realize that actually what you're doing is fetch quests. Lots and lots of fetch quests with uninspiring completely unthreatening combat punctuating them i think the one thing that might fix this is if there was more to the combat if it's a bit more engaging because actually a lot of the fetch quests you just do uh, by virtue of exploring those spaces but combat has some scope to improve at the beginning it's a single button combat so the the way the game's set up by the end of it you're supposed to have three characters um, each of them has attacks mapped to Y, X, and B. And the idea is that you're supposed to alternate characters at the right time in order to chain combos. Uh, in four hours of play, I'd unlocked the second of three characters so I could combo one to the other and back to the one, which was okay. Um, but those opening couple of hours, your attacks literally just consist of single hits with Y um, on enemies that go down in one or two hits anyway. Um, just bland and i got really bored and it wasn't even that i was having a bad time it's just that i wasn't having a time i was i was existing and doing um and yeah i i, I just decided that it wasn't it wasn't worth it have to say if you've got lots of podcasts to listen to and you've got nothing better to play great absolutely mindless fill your actions and that's how i played a lot of the four hours or so i played of it glowing endorsement um, <laughs> I, great if you be. don't need to pay attention but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it but it is this is the thing like yeah. if what you want is something to play and not to require a lot of your attention it could absolutely be that game for you uh the problem for me is i've got loads of stuff that i want to play quickly like i haven't got time for that and this is on Game Pass, or was on Game Pass. I think it still is on Game Pass. It is, So yeah. if it's free and you need to do something with yourself while you're listening to or watching something different, this could be the game for you. There's nothing it does that's expressly bad. So could fill a need for you. For me, that's absolutely not where I am in the slightest. So it did not. Um, and Paola, we've got a rare Paola retirement this week. Yeah, so this is one of those puzzle games where there's, it's kind of like a little bit uninspired and also like the puzzles like aren't really doing the trick. So Unlock the Cat is a kind of like um, block sliding puzzle where you have to move a specific block like out of the maze of blocks. Mm -hmm. And... I do remember having a great time like playing those kind of puzzles on the Professor Layton games. Uh, the thing is, is that 
the puzzle design and unlock the cat isn't like very good. Like they really ran out of ideas very, very quick. And it's just meh. That's the whole thing. It isn't like engaging enough to try to uh, complete every single puzzle in the game. And it also, it's kind of bullshit at times. So it was like, it's either like super easy or there was this one puzzle where I was like, okay, this is enough for me. Um, retiring this one. I think it, it's worth mentioning, because I did have a quick peek at this on Steam. I love that you say the one game itself was uninspired, because since the release of Unlock the Cat, uh, the same publisher, Mini Cactus Games, has released Cat Slide Tiles, Farm Kitten, Puzzle Pipes, Mining Cats, and they all look like exactly the same game. Like, exactly the same game. So yeah. that that is amusing to me. And I was the same. I like I like that kind of like manipulate the tiles around the space to make a path to get the thing out of the area. Um, definitely a limit to how far you can stretch that concept, but um, the concept itself isn't a bad one. But yeah, I, having looked at that Steam page, I totally get why that didn't work for you. Yeah, I totally get it. So yeah, that's right. about it. I literally just bought it because it was on sale and it had a cat and it's like, oh, I can look at the little cat while, so, while I solve the puzzle, but the cat was enough. Yeah, I mean, even not on sale, that, that game is like £1.69. So nice, but also... Nice. Yeah, it, it's low barrier to entry for sure. <laughs> uh, do you want to stroll straight on into what you're playing this week, Paolo? Because there's a couple that look interesting to me. Yeah, so uh, even right now, I'm playing Pokemon Scarlet, aiming for Pokedex completion. And also, I've been trying my hand at going back into competitive uh, Pokemon. So I was trying to breed a Dratini with perfect stats, so I could then evolve it into a Dragonite and try to um, have a team around it and try to have some fun in the competitive Pokemon. Um, so far, Raiding this game has been like super a lot faster than even like in black and white. Not not black and white, um X and Y. Where I thought that X and Y was like, if you want to get into competitive Pokemon, this is the place because it is super fast super facile, super easy to uh it's a French or Spanish make a team. or English, right? <laughs> It's fast easy, yeah. Is that sorry? What was that? Oh, yeah, okay. I was like, that's French, right? <laughs> oh, that that was Spanish. Well, it's also French, and so there you go. <laughs> it's French, also yeah. French. Yeah, facile. It means easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, so many languages, Paula. We. We. Hi. Oh dear. Uh. Anyways. Um. So here it is even easier. Like you don't even have to run back and forth in front of a um, Pokemon nursery. You only have to wait in front of, the ba of a basket until you have Pokemon laid eggs. So that is literally all you have to do. And then you have to run back and forth on 
Miraidon or Craidon, which is the box legendary. And in less than five minutes, you can have like a lot of eggs, and then in less than 10 minutes, you can hatch a lot of them. So at least the process has been made very, very easy and very, very fast. So that's uh, at the very least, like there's a low lower barrier to entry in case of competitive Pokemon. Um, you can also check the stats of your Pokemon like on the go. You don't have to go to the uh, uh, judge or stats judge or whatever it was called in the prior games. You, you just check your box, go to that Pokemon, press a button, and then you have all the stats of your Pokemon and it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, anyway, I've been trying to get like more of the Pokemon like in this uh, game to complete my Pokedex and get the Tiny Charm because um, I've been told that uh, chances of finding Tiny Pokemon in this game is like it has been rising from last generations and um, I haven't even explained like what are the stats? What is, what is a shiny? A shiny Pokemon is like a Pokemon with a different co color palette than usual. That's all there is to it. It's just, it's just pretty, well, prettier in some cases. It's just a bragging rights. That's all there is to it. Um, or so... in a more business term, it's called retention. <laughs> Keep those players in it. gives you a sense of pride and accomplishment. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like right now, my progress on the Pokedex is um, wait for it because I am checking right now. Uh, Two hundred and seventy-five Pokemon caught out of I think four hundred in the Pokedex, Damn. which isn't bad at all. Um, so yeah, that's, those are my Pokemon adventures. Sometimes my nephew calls me to, to battle or trade Pokemon and that's about it. Um, the two, three other games that I've been playing are Valkyria Chronicles on Nintendo Switch. Woo! I restarted the game on Nintendo Switch because I noticed I wasn't like really playing it on PC for some reason because I had to cut the controller. Like I wasn't going to, uh, move with the um, move and aim with the mouse and keyboard because I suck at it. So it was like, okay, if I don't have my controller, I won't play this game. So I got it on Switch, uh, which is also an easier way to have the game everywhere with me. Mm. And I'm right now on chapter two. So I haven't like really formed my squad yet. And so probably I'll talk more about it like next week. The other game that I've been playing is a white door, another rusty game. Like another rusty like game, sorry. And um so far so good. Like it is very different from the other rusty like rusty like games. Mm. Um like you directly control a character this time and you have to perform a series of actions with that character. And it's more of a top-down thing also, so it is different. Um, it feels more story focused, like it is not like 
oh, this is, there's a story here and you have to discover it. They tell you a story. We think. Um, then you have, then I have the other game that I've been playing, Prayer and Breakfast. I started this today. I got this um, on Christmas from my boyfriend. Thank you. And uh, so far, so good. Like, there, it is definitely very silly in how it presents the game, like the how you get to to having like a kind of like hotel slash restaurant thingy. But it somehow works. So far, I built the first room on my kind of like hotel thingy. And I am ready to start having customers here. So I'll talk about this game more on next week. Uh, hopefully it doesn't disappoint. Yeah, this seems like a Paula um, game through and through. <laughs> for sure. The, the, you too, you're not the first ones to say that. I think Diamond <laughs> said that too. And I'm curious what qualifies as a Paula game. At cozy degree of sim and management. Yeah, it's something you can yeah. get. You can spend a lot of hours in. <laughs> mm. It's very um. What was it called? Was it Beaver Brook? It's got that kind of vibe as well. And you lost a lot of time to that game. That game consumed you. Timberborn. That's the Timberborn, one. Timberborn. Yeah. yeah. There was. I was thinking of the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But there were beavers. It was a post-apocalyptic beaver game. What's not to love about that? Paula, for the, hey, I'm for not the listeners at home, there's probably a face that says, I hate how right you guys are right now. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, do you want to jump in, Alex, next, or shall I tag in? I don't mind jumping in. I can Go jump on, on in. Uh, let's see Go here. Uh, or actually, wait. Uh, oh no, we're both playing this, so that'll be a good uh, lead-in. Then uh, I'll, I'll Segway, save that yeah, for later. Yeah. Persona Five Strikers. I guess I'm playing. I think I'm going to retire it next week. Um, I think I had my fill. It's shocked Pikachu face. It's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's a good game, but what are you gonna like? It's just it's a it's just, it's it's a Muso kind of game, right? You just you just fight stuff a lot, um, which is fun, and you know it's fine, but. Oh no, man! I don't give a shit about the story. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't really care. It's the Phantom Thieves. They're doing Phantom Thieve type things. Roll credits. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's blasphemy for some people, but whatever. Uh, what else am I playing? Pokemon Prism. I'm still actually making my way through Pokemon Prism. Uh, it's been a great, like, you know, sit watch TV game. Um, I, I still really think it's very impressive. Like, it's just it. it it feels genuinely like I'm playing a lost Game Boy game. So I don't have a lot more to add that I haven't already said about it besides like just go play it because it's totally compatible with, you know, uh, on an act on actual hardware. Um, so if you have a Game Boy and you really miss the old kind of Game Boy games, but you're just like, I don't want to go play Pokemon Red or Yellow again, then this is the game to play because God damn, is it good? And it has like, you know what? I think even Palo would enjoy it. You can mine in this game. Um, you can buy, oh like, no! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would get you would get lost in this game quite a bit. There's so much stuff going on, in it, and it's actually genuinely challenging in like fun ways where you have to really think about who you what Pokemon you're using and what teams you're doing. So 
I thought that was pretty great. Um, so anyway, that's Pokemon Prism. Very good. Uh, Susie and I are still playing through Gears of War Ultimate Edition. Such a fucking stupid game in all the right ways. Like, it's so fucking dumb. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so dumb. It's so early 2000s, like, Joe, who's going to play this game? Boys. <laughs> like, it's that kind of thing. Like, everyone looks absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, they, they, their proportions are so absurd. Um, no human being is really built like this unless they're on just, like, a fucking horse worth of steroids. It's just, like, not humanly possible. Um, they look like that fucking, you know, it was that guy that uh, got, like, outed as, like, using steroids. Do you remember the dude who was, like, all about, like... The, the fucking liver king. The liver yeah. king. They all looked like the liver like, king. So it was like, no. Yeah, they all, yeah, it's so natural. And I was like, you're... <laughs> You're as natural as a fucking chicken nugget. Like you're not fucking natural, man. <laughs> it's just hey, you leave my nug nugs out of this. Hey, I love nuggets, but we all know those are made from like grounded up chicken beaks <laughs> um, and some kind of paste. But anyway, chicken something, chicken something, yeah, um, or, or chicken byproduct. I think is what they should be called. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, really stupid but it's fun in co-op it's really hard to see the enemies in this game though like you generally are like wait are those our guys or the other ones like to the point where my partner sometimes is like i'm like oh shoot the enemies and she's like i don't where (laughs) i was like honestly i don't know how to tell you because everything is gray and looks the same so over there um i can't tell if this is an issue with the remake or if this has always been a problem with the game because it's possible it's possible that in remaking the game by increasing the graphical fidelity, it's possible that they made the enemies actually harder to see because I've mm. had, I've had games do this, right. Where like sometimes remasters come in and like, yeah, everything looks better, but it's like, Oh, it was actually simple so that you could see the enemies. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. We're going <laughs> to, once we beat this one, we are going to continue through the series. So here's a war two will be the Xbox 360 one. So that's going to kind of be the litmus test to see like, all right, is this just always been a gears problem or, is this like unique to the remake? Um, anyway, pretty fun. We're in Act Three, so we're about halfway through the game, I think. Um, and yeah, we still have no idea what's going on at all. Uh, but we're big, burly men, and we're very tough. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's Gears of War. Uh, what else am I playing? Oh yeah, playing Cubescape Theater. This one's weird, but. They all are. So not much more to say on that front. Uh, You're in like this theater and like there's like a show going on. And so like you're like basically like it it actually reminds me of the first one's seasons a little bit in the sense that you're unlocking a series of puzzles, Um, though you are staying in one room. uh, The room does change as you go along uh, in like, you know, pretty uh, intense ways, which I think is quite fun and I really like it. So, yeah, this one's cool. And there's like voice acting in this one. I was like, whoa. Like, I mean, there always was, but there's, like, more, like, actual people that you can interact with in this one, which felt like a pretty drastic change from the others, Uh, because, well, I guess Birthday had it as well, so maybe I'm I'm off, but basically, since Birthday, which was the one before this one, it feels like suddenly there was, like, a shift in um, their, like, budget, you know, and so I was like, Mm. oh, holy crap, okay, now we have, like, characters that we can interact with, and, like, they actually speak a fair bit, and... (laughs) they're not they're not gonna go home with any baftas or anything but like they're, they're uh it's fine you know what i mean like some of the voice acting you're like oh this is a developer 
Um, (laughs) Or like it's their buddy that they were just like, can you read this line for me? And he's like, okay, I can do that. Can you sound a little more bored? Yes, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) We can take the sound of the passing trains out in post, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. We can do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not very professional, but it works. Um, And okay. Not finally, but finally before the one that you and I are both like. This goddamn game lost me the Fantasy Critic League, and I wanted to see if it was any good. So this is Chained Echoes. It got 20 fucking points the last month. Uh, one clumsy the game. And, oh, it's really fucking good. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I guess it deserved them. I was like, oh, I suppose this game actually deserves what it got because it's really fun and it's a really unique take on RPGs. and It feels like playing... Final Fantasy VI or like Golden Sun or something back in the day, but with all the advancements of modern games and whatever. <laughs> so it's really, really good. And I really, really recommend it. So basically the way, the way this game, I will say there's some weird writing going on in this. And I think it's because it's translated from another language, potentially German maybe, uh, where it feels a little overly so. formal at times but it's not nothing wrong with it like the writing is good it's just like there's times where you're like oh that's you <laughs> clearly you're coming from a language that utilizes formal like like formal forms more than english does because they'll do a lot of like um they won't use many contractions which i also am like maybe that's just a character choice but i don't think it is i think it's just a translation thing uh that being said how does the game actually play well it's an uh turn-based rpg but it's really neat so you have this system called like the overdrive system where all your moves and and every turn basically like every battle you enter into they're not random they're all on you see all the enemies as you're going along and you can't really avoid them like you're just gonna have to fight uh most things as you're going along there's some that you could avoid um and you have a party of four but um i think you get up to a party of eight and you can actually switch out characters automatic, like immediately. It doesn't use up any turns. And they're in reserve for other characters. So your characters can be like staggered and whatnot. And when they're staggered, they can't attack. So at that point, if you just swap them out for another character, um, now that character, when it comes back, they can attack again. And they really incentivize you to do this because they want you to use all the characters. And also um, this overdrive meter, there's a yellow, green, and a red. The yellow is where you start. And as you choose attacks and skills, you'll increase that. When you get into the green, you have things called TP, which are like technical points, which are like casting your spells and special skills. When you uh, get into the overdrive, your TP cost for your skills is halved. But all your skills are going to increase you up. And if you get to the small red area, you're going to take significantly more damage. It's going to cost a lot more to use your TP. Um, and when you're in the overdrive, you're going to take less damage. So the whole point of the battles is to maintain yourself into the, in the overdrive area. Now, as you're going through, um, it'll cycle through skill typings that will allow you to reduce your overdrive gauge. Um, and it also very cleverly makes you use some skills that you might have never actually used in a game. So it really avoids the issue in a lot of turn-based RPGs where you're like, well, I'm just going to use this skill because it's the best skill. Um, it's like, yeah, you might use that sometimes, but you're not going to be able to reliably just spam a skill because that might actually push you well up into the overdrive and fucking get you killed. Um, so it really, like all their mechanics, um, work together to get you using all of the characters and all of their abilities. 
and thinking about which characters actually work well together and who you want to have in formation. Like, who are your best characters to have out all at the same time? Um, what are their abilities? What can they do? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, so really, really, really fucking clever. And I absolutely love that you do not need to go and find like an inn or some shit to restore your health or your TP. After every single battle, you are fully healed up. All your TP is fully healed. So that every single battle um, requires you to fully strategize with what you have and not think like, oh, maybe I will need this later on. Because I find mm. that that's a huge issue in RPGs where you're thinking like, oh, do I want to use this special skill? Uh, I don't know. I might need to save my like mana, so maybe I'll just attack, right? Um, in this game, they're like, no, dude, we made a fucking cool combat system. We want you to fucking fight, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. that's the point. They're like, use it. And this is the big... Th so this is actually, to me, what feels like the polar opposite of the Nobody Saves the World, right? Where it's like, in this game, they created a really good system. And they're like, hey, player, we would like you to use this goddamn system that we probably spent, a, like, a decade of our life on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, half a decade or something. They're like, could you please use it? And I'm like, yes, I will use it. For you have made it very fun to use. Um, so, yeah, I... Really dig it. I think the story is really interesting. They've created a really fascinating world with very intricate, detailed backgrounds. It looks a lot like that game um, that I played. Shit. What was that fucking game called? Do you remember that one Xeno something? <laughs> Z Zeno? Shit. Crosscode. Crosscode. Oh, yes. I knew you'd get there eventually. Okay, thank you. Crosscode. It actually really reminds me of that art style. Um, it's that, yeah. you know, top-down 2D... Um, very pretty looking kind of uh, art style. Uh, also similar to uh, <laughs> my fucking brain today, folks. No, I'll, I'm not even gonna, I, shit. Un, no. The one where they go crazy. Unsighted, that's it. Uh, ah, yeah. It looks a lot like Unsighted as well. It, it, it's in that vein of uh, games. So the story thus far uh, is intriguing. They do a really good job of introducing the ensemble to you where like you meet all the characters kind of separately. And then they all sort of converge together, um, or at least the initial characters. I I get the feeling that there are more characters that they will introduce because right now I have six characters unlocked who seem to be like the primary characters uh, for the game. But I also don't know what this game's gonna do, right? Like I really don't know where the game's going, which is actually like a pretty fresh and fun thing when playing a, an RPG like this. Um, it feels like play. Oh, also one other thing that I think cannot be understated for how incredible this is. You move so fucking fast. You run automatically and it's so quick. You're fucking zooming through all of these areas. And I'm like, yes, developers. Yes, that's what I'm fucking talking about. Don't make me walk slowly through your shit. Let me fucking sprint like a motherfucker. Um, so I have nothing but good things to say about this. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's on Game Pass for free. So, like, what are you waiting for? Fucking go to town. Have a good time. Wait for it to go sell on Switch because that's where I'll actually play it. That's but fair. it does look Same. amazing. You it know, I, really I thought I would play it on Switch, but honestly, it's uh, it's really beautiful. And, like, I really like playing it on my big TV because it's quite gorgeous. But it would be a perfect Switch game for sure. Mm. And last but certainly not least uh citizen sleeper this is the game of the month one that we uh or like not the game of the month um the the, the game won. of the game yeah the how long to beat the game game yeah that's it yeah uh holy shit <laughs> i have got uh, just today actually 
So I I was really slow in on this. Like for it wasn't really mm. clicking with me at first. Um, like I was like I don't really know. But just today I had like a three hour session with this game, and right now, frankly, you guys are keeping me from playing it. Um, so <laughs> I can relate. This game does like smother you once it gets your teeth in. Holy shit, does it ever? It's fucking great. It like it introduces all this stuff, and it's so open ended in how you want to approach things, and it's got such weighty and like interesting themes, and like. Mm. I just want to go play more. The art's beautiful. The writing's incredible. Um, uh, the world they've created is like fucking next level. Like I'm like Jesus. I want like a TV series just on this world they've made. Um, I'm just nodding along. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It's phenomenal. I actually think I like it more than Disco Elysium right now because it's actually keeping me engaged. Um, and I know it's it's ones that sort of get compared to because I think it's similar in terms of its like weighty themes and like uh, albeit meaning. way more accessible. Yeah, this is way so accessible. accessible. Um, yeah, what a fucking triumph this game is! Like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. I, I think I think people are sleeping on this one. Um, <laughs> uh, and you really you, the interesting it. thing. Sorry, go on. That was it. Oh, fair enough. The interesting thing is that there's DLC coming, like free DLC. So I, I don't know quite how far in you are, Alex. It's already like, in the game. To... <laughs> yeah. no, 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 but it's like, it's late game. Hmm. So there's three chapters. Two of them are already out. The third one is coming this calendar year. Um, ah, okay. And you don't see it until... Have you gotten to the point where you can see the little ship docked at the back end of the eye? Yeah, no. So I already, I got there really early and it was like... It was like, this is intended for late game. And I was like, I will come okay. back later. Yeah. <laughs> I was sure. like, I take your um, warning and I will heed it. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I'm probably going to like just play the game assuming that that bit's not there. Yeah. And like play it as intended. And then it gives me an excuse to come back and play it another time down the line and see all of the DLC. Might even buy it that time rather than slumming it on Game Pass. Who knows? Um, but the, the game's so good. Um, I think the Navigator has been a particular highlight for me. Um, and that whole storyline. I don't know if you've gotten to that bit yet. I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, uh, I can't. The it, there's maybe, a, there's a vending machine where... Oh, yes. Yes. It, as that progresses, that is what I'm referring to. Um, but I think the cool thing for me is how many different like little pockets of story there are that are really cool so in their own right, but all sort of feed into the central narrative um, and are interconnected in various ways. Um and how much good they do with such a limited system because it's just it's just dice rolls for the most that's part that's it yeah. there's, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a mild degree of resource management but it's basically just you have a few rolls each time and you have to decide where you're putting them and how you're like playing them and the really cool thing is it makes even the small dice matter yeah. in the early game because there's like um it would be a stretch to call it hacking, but there's actions that you can take on like uh, cyberspace yeah. that require you to bypass security. And you do that by putting a specific dice number on it. Um, and it's usually a low one. Um, and then in the later game, as you upgrade your character by completing drives and earning extra points, um, you can get it such that um, depending on what type of action you're doing, you can have as much as plus three on your dice roll. Um, and even a one, if you plus three it up to four, you've got like a 75% chance of a neutral or positive outcome, which means, yeah. you know, you can risk it for a biscuit and probably get what you want from that action. Um, Plus there's perks that the show art, you what the negatives are. The art is. The art's gorgeous. 
And yes, you do very early on get like uh, there's a thing you can unlock that tells you um, like what the positive and negative and it's worth are. It. <laughs> it's well worth it for sure. Um, I mean, the the one that I've really found myself using is the one where um, you can exchange scrap for a slight improvement to your condition. Because as long as you can get one scrap a day, you can keep yourself topped up um, to the point where you're getting all five dice rolls. Nice. So I'm I'm at the point in the story now where I've got a few scrap. I just do that every day, and I've got a stabilizer spare in case things go south. Um, so good. It, it's on Game Pass. Even not on Game Pass, it's on Switch. It's on everything. It's been going on sale. It was like a third off on Switch. I nearly bit the bullet, but I actually think because of the text. And because the text is quite voluminous and you want to be able to sit and pass it and not be squinting at a switch screen, I think it is best experienced either on switch in TV mode or at a computer. Oh, 100%. Um, this is a computer game through and through as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, I played a little bit through like Game Pass streaming on my phone and it's perfectly playable, like it works, but it's not the way to do it. It just isn't. Um, so the, the only question really that remains is why aren't you playing it yet, Pala? Um, partially because I forgot about it, and also I wanted to try <laughs> to get through the Christmas games. I, I admire your honesty. The, the main one is that I kind of forget about it and looked at the um at the agenda this uh, morning, and it was like, oh, I was supposed to be playing something else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, we haven't actually had like a recording session for like just a regular one with us for a while now since we had our special episodes. Yeah, it's so. been like a week and a bit, hasn't it? It's been more than it would normally be. Oh, a couple of weeks rather, yeah. Yeah, it's been a couple, I know, yeah, not more than a week and a bit. It's been a couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. Um, which is totally fine because we had some sweet guests on. If you're listening. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, nice, nice. Was and that now we've got a sweet topic. Yeah, was that everything that you're talking about? Wait, did you talk about what you're playing? Oh, about? you didn't talk about what you played. Wow, <laughs> I'm just wishing the episode away. Um, so <laughs> it's the main thing I'm playing at the moment. It is worth saying in, in my defense. That's fair. Um, I'm still chipping away at Valkyrie Profile. Um, I'm liking the game. The problem is the nature of it is I have to make a point of like reorientating myself every time I go back to play it. So the the um, almost the activation energy, the amount of investment I need to get any progress in it is a little bit higher than I would like. And that's being a little bit, a little bit prohibitive. Mm. Um, I am still playing FF seven remake, but again, like not getting a lot of time to just sit at the TV at the moment. So um, that's been real slow going. I have to say I've maybe mellowed on it a little bit as well. I think the combat is fun and it is cool. But because of the way that like the ATB stuff for item use and abilities and stuff functions, certainly in the early game where you're just cloud for a chunk of time, it's not super fun. I expect that will improve once I've got a couple of party members. Um, but at the moment, it's not, it's not everything I was hoping it would be at this specific moment in time as I play it. I am only a couple of hours in. There's lots of game left to go there. Um, I and can then say it last... does get much, much, much better as you get more. I, I'm expecting as much, yeah. Um, and then the last game I'm playing, um, and this is a real left field pick. Do any of you guys remember Jelly Car? No. So it was like a no. phone game. It was the shit 
when I was growing up, like when smartphones were just becoming a thing. Basically, it was like a flash game, but on your phone. And you were a car made of jelly. And you tilted to drive left and... Oh, no, you tilted to tilt your car. You could accelerate and um, reverse, so driving left and right. And you could also embiggen and then smallen again your car. Um, hmm. They made three of them. It was, like, really cool. And then there was, like, a stealth release in December of 2022. It was like, hi, I'm... Whatever his name is, like Andrew Wallaber or something like that. The original creator of Jelly Car. Uh, I've made a new one. <laughs> it was like, yo! And it... On Switch, it's way better because it's got proper controls. And um, he sort of Super Mario Worlded it. So there's like discrete worlds and levels. Um, each level seems to have like um, collectible currency, um, time objectives, and also like a secret exit on each world, I think. Um, plus other power-ups and bits and bobs. It's been a weird nostalgia trip, but also like the kind of nostalgia trip where it's what you remembered it being like, not what it was actually like. Nice. Um, it's been a whole lot of fun, and it's pretty cheap. Like, full price, it's maybe eight quid. It was on a, a little discount, so I think I paid, like, six. Um, when I picked it up, I'm having a really good time. I'm liking it a lot. It doesn't seem super long, but it doesn't need to be. Um, so for anyone who also, like me, has a weird bit of history with this game, one, Jelly Car World exists. 1A, it is a brand new Jelly Car game. It's not like a compilation of the older ones or or a re-release of anything like that. Um, and two, it's pretty good. Now I have covered all of the things that I am playing. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> unless I've completely neglected anything else with my old man brain, um, are we ready to move on to our topic? Yeah. And whose idea was this? Because I'll, I'll front up here. Like I got ready to record and open the document, and it was there, and it wasn't there this morning. So what? What was yeah, the same? That was me. What was uh, the process for elimination? There you go. <laughs> I just, I like honestly, I, I don't know. So I'll, I'll introduce this topic a little bit, um, because this is something I've been thinking about actually for a little bit. Um, because I've been playing, so like, uh, all right. Basically, the the topic or the title of this topic is like games as. Um, mysterious to non-gamers or games as like you know something um very different or or, or kind of unique and the reason i was thinking about this is because i've joined into another community right where like i'm playing the lord of the like the middle earth strategy battle game and like i've been doing the tabletop gaming um and you know there's been a little more board gaming stuff in there as well and i've just been thinking a little bit about how like i've noticed that even amongst some of like my partner's friends, right? They're very cool with like board games and whatnot. And like, they're into like card games or they're super into sports. And they're just like, you know, there's like a real culture around certain types of activities. And I've also noticed that obviously with video games. And part of it to me, like I've always just wondered to myself, it's like, what gets somebody interested in gaming in general? Because um, even thinking back to myself, I'm like, well, why was I interested in video games? Like, what actually got me into it? Because my parents were not into video games at all. Like, my mom was, like, kind of vehemently opposed to video games uh, first when I was young, right? Like, she just really didn't like the idea of video games. And I kind of had to, like, wear, wear down on it, to be honest. Um, and so, and then I also feel like there's this sort of, like, big divide despite the fact that most people actually do play some form of video games um there seems to be this like notion that like gaming is this sort of 
very different world that, you know, many of us cannot interact with. Um, so anyway, I don't know. That's kind of a big open topic, but I just wanted to sort of discuss a little bit with you all. Like if you've seen people in your life who have kind of converted to the way of the video game <laughs> um, hmm. and like what that sort of process took. And like, if you can actually remember, cause this is really difficult, but if you can remember not what game got you interested in gaming, but like what actually got you fascinated by video games? Um, what made you think you wanted to take the plunge? Which, you know, might be impossible to remember, but something to think about. Anyway, to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting that you had to like convince your parents. I was very much the other way around. Like video games as a thing weren't really on my radar. And then like my cousin didn't want his Game Boy. So my parents were like, hey, give this a try. Like, does this work for you? And I was like, God, yeah, this works for me. <laughs> like, give me that wave race. I want a slalom. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as a kid, there's probably a degree of, like, flashing light and screen and color. Same as, like, um, the kids of today with iPads. It's not necessarily um, that there's a specific thing so much as you've got, like, a bright, shiny, you know, it's like the general novelty factor that that kids are drawn to no matter what i think that's a big part of it yeah. um and i think in terms of from the other end of the spectrum like people who didn't get that growing up getting into games in terms of the mystique of it i think a lot of it is down to literacy so we've talked about gaming literacy mm -hmm. before um in in other topics and as it's related to other things but i think there is a um an element of the unknown there not only in terms of what you see but also in terms of like things that we take for granted about that i'm pretty sure I've, I've told this story on the pod if i haven't um fair enough but um my dad grew up playing the spectrum mm. um and you know doing various games of that kind and when we tried to get him to play the hobbit video game the one they made for ps2 um he couldn't move and manipulate the camera at the same time that just wasn't there and i think if you're someone who's new to the medium, you're given a lot of alien inputs all at once. Yeah. There's a bit of an overload there. Um, it's probably why the Wii was so successful, because it made it make sense. It gave you a parallel to the real world. You know, you're not uh, pressing a three-button combination to do a top spin. You're swinging your hand, and the bat's swinging with it. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that it didn't end up really being good one-to-one -one controls. <laughs> That's no, the brilliant no, thing they did with that game, no. actually, with those with that system, is that they they fooled you into thinking uh, you were doing mm. a one to one, you know. And and I suppose VR is almost the two point renaissance of that kind of idea, where um, yeah. you put hit someone in a headset with pistol whip, and they conceptually understand. I point and pull the trigger. There's a gun in my hand that fires. Yeah. And you know, particularly games like that, you take the movement equation or you move out of the equation. So you're, you're limiting the amount of inputs you have to think about. And, you know, then if you move that person onto a, assuming it's this kind of game, Horizon VR, um, yeah, okay, the head tracking, I get my head moves where my head moves and my hands are doing what my hands would do. And then I just have to manipulate a stick to walk. Um, in terms of what other things put people off, I think um, certainly in the competitive scene, there's maybe a perception Mm. of um what gaming means that maybe puts people off i think that's got to be a part of it um i also think that 
how do I word this? Maybe there's a, a bit of like mental pushback, like that unknown thing, the familiarity going beyond that. Um, like, oh, this isn't me yeah. sort of thing. Um, maybe I've not. Well, I think what you're hitting at a little bit is something that I was thinking about where it's like, I, I was wondering to myself, is it a, is it a cultural thing? And not as in like culture, like, you know, like country culture kind of deal, you know, you know, like, I don't know, like, not like I am from this place and we do this kind of thing, but more like the culture around how you like how you're raised or what is interesting in your kind of world that like mm. actually allows you to engage with stuff. But it's also odd to me because when I think about it, like, I had no one in my life who was into video games. Um, like I was very kind of isolated in that sense um, where I didn't really even have many friends who were into video games. Like there just weren't that many of them. I had one friend sure. who had video games, but he didn't really give a shit about them. Like he was like, let's just go play outside. And I was like, fine. Um, <laughs> you know, he'd have an N64 <laughs> and he was lucky enough to have a bunch of games because he had older brothers and he was like, he'll play with me for a little bit. And then he's like, all right, we're good. And I wonder too, like maybe there's part of this, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm somebody who I like, I love to socialize. Don't get me wrong. It's really nice to go out and play games with people and stuff, but I really, 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 really like being alone. Um, in conjunction with having that social, right? Like at least enough of it. But like for me, balance. the idea, yeah, that balance is needs to be there, but I, I would, I'd actually take more being alone than being with others. You know what I mean? Like I'm absolutely fine with that. And I think gaming, um, really like plays to that very well and obviously it can play to a lot of different strengths because you know it can be an extremely social thing um so like maybe nowadays it's actually less of a like it's more of a social thing at this point even than it was before because like to give you an example when i go into you know i teach in all school levels now right um and obviously this is canada so you know um could be different in other parts of the world but when I go into schools, they all, every, every kid plays video games. Like there's not a kid who doesn't play a form of video games. And like, they're constantly talking about Roblox, um, particularly in elementary school and, and Fortnite and everything. Like those games are just like huge to them. Um, and it's like everyone, the girls, like everyone's playing these games. Um, and so there's this like huge social element to it. And so like part of me thinks like they've almost changed and yet despite that sort of like shift, it, it does also feel as though individuals who actually play games, like, you know, like I don't want to make, try to make distinctions as if there are real games and not real games, but like single player versus multiplayer are like massively social games, right? Like there is a big, I think a big distinction between those games. It still feels like there is a bit of a disconnect. Like I, I still meet fewer students who go beyond the massively pop culture games. Um, which I don't know. I just find interesting. You know, I, I don't know if I have a, a huge statement on why that is, but uh, it's something I've been noticing as I've been going into those schools. And there's definitely a distinction to be drawn there. Cause I think when we talk about gaming mystique, we're probably not talking about Fortnite. No. We're, we're, we're talking about like <laughs> what we're more engaging with, which is um, sort of niche single player stuff. Maybe a better analogy is when you talk about like um, what gets people into like foreign films and mm. indie films and stuff like that, or um, you know what has you checking out um, like smaller up and coming authors on um, on like an ebook platform or, or things yeah. of that nature. I think there's there's a very different conversation to be had there, and I think that's the more pertinent part. Um, and you know, like any of those niches, I think maybe it's 
liking what the medium has to offer enough that you're then, and in such a way that you're then asking the question, well, what more is there? And it's whatever that is that drives you to look beyond. Because if, you, if you're someone that just dabbles with Fortnite and you, you, know, you play a bit of something here and there, and that's the social component and that's doing everything for you, um, it makes sense that like your needs are being met there. But yeah. if you're someone who's enjoyed that thing, that's like, well, my needs are no longer being met. I want to see what more can be done. I want to see beyond this. That's then when you might look to those other things. Hmm. Um, and I guess what yeah. I've been curious about is like what takes someone to that point, you know. But anyway, sorry, Paolo, what what do you think? You, you want to add some of this? Yeah, I've been trying like to take notes mentally to start <laughs> adding into the, into the conversation. But first of all, what's stopping individual from getting into games? I think there's what uh, what you said, like some cultural aspect to it. Like for the longest time, video games were considered just games for kids. So maybe like adults were like, oh no, that's just a child. So why why would I ever be interested into it? But then you have uh, games that are clearly not aimed at kids in any capacity. Um, especially because of the, some of the content that it may have. And the thing is that as gaming has evolved, there's more niches of different kinds and more needs being met. So the other thing that I think people kind of like see games and they're kind of scared by them, by the amount of things you can do in them. But like sometimes they have an image of what a game is because of what they see be is being played. And it's like, oh no, I wouldn't like that. So I wouldn't like any games at all. Like my brother-in-law, he um, he isn't really into games like at all. The most he has played is a little bit of is it FIFA? Is it PES? Like some football? Yeah, probably. Uh, FIFA. FIFA probably PES. PES is kind of died a death, but yeah, probably FIFA. Yeah, uh, probably FIFA. <laughs> and uh, he says that uh, when my nephew uh, gave him the the, uh, his Nintendo Switch to try out Fortnite, he was like, but tell me, what do I do here? And he was like, oh, you just press this to fire and you move with this and you move the camera with that. And he was like, I don't know how to move a camera and move at the same time. That is like the big one. Mm. Especially yeah. like, Fortnite is also uh, the for worst game in the world to give to somebody who doesn't know how to play games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I was, and he was like, oh, the... I was like, oh, that you're so dumb. I'm like, no, he's not dumb. He's just not used to these kind of games. Listen, I it can't happens. play Fortnite. <laughs> That's, I, I'm old now. I have passed that shit. You know what I mean? It's like when like, like kids play that game differently than video than I play video games. Like It was the moment when I realized I was like, ah, I'm no longer relevant. <laughs> Which is fine. We all have to go through that yeah, phase. Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. And there's also like an extra thing that it's kind of interesting that, for example, my mom used to play Pac-Man and mm. some other arcade games, which I didn't know up until like very recently. And that 
and she was like the main reason why there was always a console in the house but even though she didn't play anything because she was like oh there's so much buttons on on an arcade uh in this controller uh this is unfamiliar so i won't play it but mm. she liked watching my sisters uh, my brother play games mm. especially zelda because she was like, oh, this is a game that actually has a story, so I'm interested in watching the story unfold, even though the story uh, by this, by today's standards may have been a little bit bare bones. She was like, oh, there's something going on here besides just pushing buttons and things happening on, on screen. Mm. And she was interested in it. Um, that was kind of like those memories were, were the reason why I got a 3DS with the, with the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for one Christmas on all the way in 2012. So those memories kind of like were the reason why I got back into video games in the first in the first place. Hmm. And I don't know, I found that kind of interesting, even though she wasn't interested in playing games. Uh, she was interested enough on games to let her kids play. Well, in the other side of the spectrum, my dad still sees uh, games as toys, and he's like, no, I won't. I don't like those. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, so growing up for me, I had a Nintendo 64, and though I couldn't play Ocarina enough time because I was the fourth kid, and there's only three save files. Save files. I've yeah. said that before. Oh. Um, I did play Pokemon Stadium, and I was interested in the game because it was like, hey, I like Pokemon. This game is kind of fun, even though it's just battles and minigames. Um, there was like the IP tying over there. Uh, so when I was able to emulate games, the, the one of the, thir the first things I actually tried out was Pokemon because... It was like, I've always wanted to go in a Pokemon adventure and catch different Pokemon from what Ashes catches hmm. every, like every time. So it's like, I get to make my own story. And I think that's the thing that got me interested in games in the first place. That even though some of them have like a scripted story, the way you go about it is different for every player. That's twice now. I'm so Ooh. sorry. Mm. Oh, that was ugly. I'll clip that bit out. I'll clip that bit out. Mm. Legion, you said it's different for every player. Uh, so, yeah, it's I'm different for everyone. Sorry. I completely lost. Anyway, um, so, yeah. Um, the other thing is that. Um, I have a friend that is interested in atomic games and she plays atomic games. But, and she's like, hey, I may be able to play Animal Crossing because even though uh, I don't have the urgency to do anything on that game, like I can go at my own pace mm. and I don't have to move a camera. Like that part was very important to her because uh, she was uh scared of the more than one button input at that point though she was forced to try out world of warcraft because one of her classes was about teamwork 
and they use the computers at the university to play World Warcraft, like in, in groups, like during that semester. Hmm. And she says, like, okay, I am not that bad at games, I think. Like, she still have trouble because of how ability inputs work in World Warcraft, and there were like so many keys to press. Uh, but still, she was satisfied by the fact that she the, that games weren't like as like there wasn't like as high as of an entry level to video games as she initially thought. Yeah, like even though there were like many inputs, she still got used to it and have fun with it at the end of it. I actually think that's one of the key things that you just hit on there is that the entry is not as difficult as some might think. And I actually think board games might be the culprit in some of this um, <laughs> because I don't know if you've ever, but like, so like hear me out on this part, because like, I think I know a lot of people like, at least from my experience who I've had them talk about this with me before where they're just like, Oh, games. I don't know. Like I never understand what I'm doing in a board game and stuff. And like, there's sort of this, you know, connection between the two. They, they sort of connect and like, aren't like video games just board games in, in like on the computer, which kind of, <laughs> but obviously <laughs> a little different, right? And it's like, you know, everybody's had that like horrific experience of having to listen to your friend try to explain how to play a game and you're just like crying on the inside because you're like, can we just play the game and we'll figure it out? <laughs> um, but then you also are like, but then they're also like, no, because if we just start playing the game, you're not going to understand and you're all just going to ask me how to play the fucking game. And I'm like, also accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's like, I don't know. Any, anyway, I just, this question has been like really, it's really interested me in general because again, like we've talked about a little bit on this so far and like what you've been bringing up Paola and what you've talked about a bit too, Rick. It's like, I'm always just curious in general is like, how do people get interested in anything? You know what I mean? Like what actually piques a person's um interest in liking something or gets them into a craft or a hobby and um how can i get more people into this lovely hobby that <laughs> we enjoy so much you know um especially video games because like you've hinted at here paula with like talking about your friend there is a game for everyone you know like it's not the same as say like i don't know certain like crafts are like entering into like uh, like you know being like a sports fan or whatnot because like there aren't actually necessarily something for everyone in those regards you know what i mean but like gaming is just such a huge spectrum it reminds me of movies and tv and whatnot like there's got to be something you're gonna like at yeah. some point right and it's how far you're willing to go to find it ultimately yeah yeah. And I think that's one of the other factors that keeps people from getting into games is that some people do have like very specific things that they like, and maybe those aren't like the games that everyone is talking about. Yeah. Like, again, my friend was into Ajome games and she wasn't aware of uh, whatever was on beat on Switch until she met me. <laughs> and now she's the owner, the proud owner of a PS Vita with a 64 gigabyte um, uh, memory card and uh, Nintendo Switch. Rick is very happy for um, those listening. <laughs> yeah. Hands are in the air like I don't care. 
I guess the moral of the story is we have to get more people to become friends with us. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you were going to say buy a Vita, which would absolutely be fair. I mean, that is also the moral of the story. Both of those. Yeah, definitely. Everyone mm. buy a Vita now. Like, oh, wait, there aren't as many Vitas as people in the world. Damn it. No, there really isn't. Hell, there's probably not even... I wonder how many Vitas are in the world. Well, that's a question for another day. Someone, uh, best estimates are between 16 and 18 million. That's so that's so few, right? I guess I always forget too that it's like gaming is still niche, um, in some ways. Yeah, it's huge in others. Yes, it's just it's bigger than it's ever been, but it's so Mm. fragmented, right? I guess it's the same with movies. Yeah, I think the thing that keeps people uh, getting into games is the other hobbies that are competing for everyone's time, like. Yeah. For example, during the pandemic, there were like so many people that never watch anime in their lives getting into anime. Mm. Yeah. Because they, they they had like free time and it was like, okay, I guess I have Netflix and there's anime on Netflix, so I guess I'm gonna watch this. Meanwhile, you have me on the other hand who's like falling out of love with anime. That's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's one for after the podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um nice. Well, I don't know. I don't think, I think we kind of exhausted this con- this topic a little bit, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Um, Not at this time. Maybe so. when we revisit, once we've had a chance to think about it, I don't know. Yeah, well, I would love to hear what people who are listening think. Like, if you have any stories of, you know, people that you've seen who have gotten into gaming and, like, what sort of tipped the, I don't know, flicked the switch or tipped the scales or whatever metaphor you want to use. <laughs> um, hmm. I'd love to hear it because I am just in general, um, just curious about how people get interested in things and, and how interests are peaked and how they're maintained and, and, and continue because I can't figure out what I like because I just seem to flip between things randomly. <laughs> um, with that being said, let's move on to... How long to beat the game? Uh, this week, I think it's Rick. I believe it is. Yeah, in the in the battle to decide who is second place. Right. This is the second place round. Okay. Yeah. The right. Yeah. Um, I see my score is just repressing. Oh no, that's not the one. Um, let's try again. So while let's he's try trying to get, basically, uh, Rick has fifteen points. I have eight, and Paula has four. And there's just no way for I, uh, either of us to catch up at this point so we're gonna call it here this week and we're just gonna see who comes in second place there is nothing for coming in second place except for a feeling of superiority i guess <laughs> so a feeling the, of at least i wasn't the last one yeah <laughs> i lost it last so time I've, I've got a real left field one here so it's ben oh. 10 protector of earth oh my god um that show wow. now for for some uh, for- reason on how for long which platform? Well, this is the thing. So on how long to beat, this game is split into the Wii version and all the other versions. And when I say all the other versions, I mean PS2, PSP, and Nintendo DS. I'm specifically asking you about the Wii version. In terms okay. of times, obviously, otherwise they're combined. What's this game called again? Ben 10? Protector of Earth. An interdimensional crisis threatens Earth. And Ben Tennyson... Oh my God, I forgot that was his name. <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> oh, dude wow. i've already forgotten the name is it protector of earth is that it yes yeah okay. yeah ben tennyson oh 
Someone did not get paid enough for the writing work they did on 2007. <laughs> Holy shit. This game is old as fuck. Oh, dear. So, as always, we're looking for the main, main extra and completionist times for the Wii version of this game. Um, and then I need to think about a dealer's choice question for an extra two points. Um, I would like you to tell me... Um, Ooh, what would I like you to tell me? Oh, I have no idea what this game, man. I don't know, but I'm just wondering why Rick is choosing one of the versions of the game over the others. So I think Ooh. there's something stupid going on with the times. Uh, my dealer's choice question, how many people do you think are currently playing this title? Currently playing? Oh, that's good. Currently I like playing. That. Ah, Jesus. All right. This Just... Wii Children's Show tie-in from 2007. How many people are currently playing it? As of the time of recording, which is the evening UK time of the 22nd of January, 2023. I don't know. All right, I, I, I put all mine in. I, I really don't have much of a clue on this one. Uh, fuck. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'm right. Ooh. Who knows? Maybe. We'll find out soon. Maybe I'm totally yeah. off the money and I'm just floating around in a space of terrible, terrible choices. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, well. How do you write completions? Oh, fuck it, I'm just going to write 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's where it's at. Don't write anything else. Keep it simple. Um, what was the one one question again? How many people? Uh, how are many people are playing, playing it right now? How many people have it in their playing right this second? <laughs> like now. Rick has the power of omnipotence. Omniscience. Omniscience. He's omniscient. I, I have the power to open how long to beat dot com and and look at the entry. Yes, on exactly. the website. A power unique to me and all other people who can use a web browser. <laughs> Shockingly small number. <laughs> right, times are in. So, ooh, okay. So, main time, first of all. Uh, Alex with five hours, Paula's with four hours, uh, and oh, with an overall time of six hours on the listing, Alex gets point number one. It's six hours? Uh, it's six hours. Oh, wow. Main plus, Alex has got six hours. Paola has got five and a half hours. In an incredible <sighs> twist of fate, main plus for the Wii version is four and a half hours, apparently. So Paola gets How? point two. What? That is a first. And then it gets even better. The 100% time, Alex has seven and a half hours. Paola has 20 hours. Both of you miles off. The completionist time is 37 hours. How in the world, like... I, I don't know. There's something wrong with this. I don't think I, those Wii times are accurate. <laughs> How many of those based off of? Yeah. Oh, but that's uh, okay. Ten. So nine. Ten. So that was one point for me and two for Paolo, right? Correct. Oh, they're, they're based off and 10 now, scores. Oh, that's technically not enough for ours, but oh, that's fine. Isn't it? No, we need 25 for the one that we do, but that's okay. Oh... I, mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, dude. This is for. I mean, it's place. a too late and b like. It really yeah. doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yes. Um, and then overall completions or, or overall currently playing. Um, Alex has five people playing now. Paula, spot on with two people playing now. Oh wow, there are two There's people two. playing this game currently. Um, so what that actually means is you're both tied. No, I have nine and nine she is eight. <laughs> no, right? Yep. No, nope. yep. I can math. Um, yeah. So I got lucky on that one. Just that one. Um, you did. Yeah. I wonder what this game even is. What I read I on mean, Wikipedia. It's a really basic character action game. It said it's just like, a level game, like a level based game where you try to beat the levels as quick as possible. I'm going to have a quick look. Like, it sounds this, like this shit. isn't riveting podcast content. I'm acutely aware of that, but <laughs> I am curious. Yeah, it's just like classic ps2 3d action game yeah exactly that is very painfully basic by the looks of it yeah i uh, think that anyway. could be the slogan for those types of games painfully basic painfully basic <laughs> Um, well, thanks for tuning in, folks, to another uh, beefy episode of the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, we will see you Hell next week with more of us. Hell to Beat. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's terrible. I don't like that. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.